listening to the Wine Men Lounge. Where sleeves What's going on, everybody? Shout out MIB for the intro song. That's right. You are listening to the Lyman Lounge where sleeves are optional. And all of our podcasts are now available on Apple Podcasts. That's right, Mama. We made it. After a couple weeks, three, four weeks of, of doing this, they finally got us added. I'm very excited. I uh, cannot wait to get into today's show. Now we're available everywhere. So we're going to talk about some... NBA, the playoffs are continuing on, and they also named their MVP today. We got Major League Baseball and how Garrett Cole is still ducking the fact that he cheated. Also, massive news coming out of the NFL. Julio Jones is finally on the move. And then we're going to take a look back at that Logan Paul and Mayweather fight. If you were a boxing fan, I would imagine you did not watch it. I am just a fan of uh, the Paul brothers getting their faces punched in. So that's why I tuned in. But I'm excited for today's show. I hope you guys are just as excited. Let's get it started. All right, guys, we're going to start today's show with the NBA. NBA playoffs are rolling right along. Uh, if you guys are tuning in right now, or by the time you guys catch this, it'll be the end of the Hawks 76ers game. Uh, Hawks currently down at half. However, they are up in that series 1-0. A uh, lot of good basketball going on still. Still a lot of good basketball. Now, that 76ers-Atlanta series, I said that I wasn't too excited, but they still, they're still playing good games, uh, close games. You know, having Embiid healthy is going to make a huge difference for that 76ers team. Also out there in that Eastern Conference, we got Milwaukee and Brooklyn. This is a very lopsided series right now. I expected this to be really good, and Milwaukee is down 2-0 to Brooklyn. Now, they got a couple days before they play another game. But Milwaukee is absolutely in must-win. They have to win this game. And I'm surprised kind of by the way that it's played out. Um, Giannis was absolutely dominant in game one. Uh, but Brooklyn you know, just had more firepower in the end, and they were able to pull that game out. And then Brooklyn absolutely smoked Milwaukee in game two. Uh, the game was really not all that close. Uh, but the way Brooklyn has been trying to defend him, uh, and Giannis, I, I should say, uh, has been interesting. They started out with Blake Griffin on him. And if you heard me talk about it in the last couple podcasts, Blake Griffin it cannot guard Giannis. Blake is going to get destroyed by Giannis, and that's exactly what happened. So they had to rotate Blake off of him, and I think they're trying to start to work a little bit different lineup, which we kind of saw in game two. So if Brooklyn can keep that up, Brooklyn, I mean, looks like they could walk into the playoffs. Uh, if they go up 3-0, that series is uh, basically over. Um, I don't see uh, Milwaukee winning four straight, especially against that loaded Brooklyn team. That would be so hard for them to come back. They've got to win game three to get themselves 
back in that series. Uh, game one of the Utah and Clippers game is kicking off tonight. Uh, obviously tied 0-0, and the Clippers came through big in game seven uh, against the Dallas Mavericks in that first round. I was actually able to catch the end of that game. Uh, very good game. Luka fought hard as hell to keep his team in it. They fought back from a double-digit deficit, uh, but L.A. just had too much there at the end. We're able to pull away and then finally close out that series. Uh, and that's that's a good thing for the Clippers. I mean, to have them tested that hard in the first round. Now, obviously, I know they would like to rest their guys, but a big knock on that Clippers team has been the fact that they can't they can't close. Okay, and especially Paul George. Now, Paul George was not a huge factor in Game Seven. It was mostly Kawhi, but Paul had a good game. That team fought back from adversity. Was able to finally. Get a win. It was the first time that a home team in that series won on their home court was Game Seven. So big win for the Clippers coming back there and and getting that series win. Now they're going to face Utah, very good Utah team, and one of the bright young stars in Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Uh, is Kawhi going to d up Donovan Mitchell the way he did Luca in that the end of that? Last game, game seven, are they going to rotate uh, Paul George onto him? It'll be interesting to see the way that kind of that shakes out. And then we got the Denver Nuggets versus the uh, Phoenix Suns. I almost said Houston. I don't know why. Uh, the Phoenix Suns uh, playing the 3-2 matchup, and Phoenix is up 1-0. Once again, I, I you guys heard me highlight that series before. Uh, kind of played out the way I expected in game one. Can those differing styles, how, who's going to come out? Which style is going to be more important? Which one's going to be more of a factor? Okay. I mean, they they go out and they win that game 122-105. So it's really not that close of a game. But Jokic has his – he has a great game. He continued to have – Great games. He's going to continue to have great games more than likely for the rest of the time they're in the playoffs because just today he was named the MVP of the league. Okay. As a center, to be named the MVP of the league, that hasn't happened in a while. Okay. And he is the best of the best at that in that group. He is the best big man in the NBA. And he put it on display again, but there wasn't enough help. From everybody else. So who is going to step up in a big time way and help Jokic out to continue on in the series and to take some pressure off of him? It's going to have to be one of those guards that we don't know a lot about. Um, I'm excited to see the way this plays out. I told you guys I like the differing styles. So I'm very interested to see how the NBA playoffs kind of unfold, especially in the second round. Can Milwaukee get back into it? I hope so. I want to see Giannis make it to a finals, see what he can do while he's there. It's just going to be tough getting through that Brooklyn team. So that is the NBA stuff that I have for today. Congrats uh, to uh, Nikola Jokic for that MVP. Big ups for that. Hard to win it as a center, especially in today's NBA. 
All right, so we are going to transition over into Major League Baseball. Now, I'm not going to break down any stats for you guys today or break down any standings. I just want to kind of go back to the last podcast. You guys heard me talk about the cheating and how it is a problem for Major League Baseball. It is becoming more so a problem as the days go on. So today, a reporter had enough gall to ask Garrett Cole uh, if he had ever used spider tack while pitching. Okay. Now, typically, reporters are not going to go right at a star, especially of the biggest baseball brand in the world in the New York Yankees. But this guy did not care. He went right at him. And Garrett Cole's response was not good. So he said, I don't know. Uh, big pause. I don't know how to answer that question, uh, to be honest. So right off the rip, he is not prepared for people to ask him if he has been cheating. Okay. If you know that you're being looked at as somebody who is cheating, that PR team should have had you already spun up to be prepared if something does come up. Now, you don't necessarily expect your own your own uh, reporters who are at the clubhouse to ask you that question. So maybe it caught him a little off guard, but it's not a great start. But then he continued on. Uh, he said that there are some customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. So to me, that sounds a lot like, okay, so yeah, maybe we are, but we didn't start this. The, this, this came from baseball before us. Well, so now you're not outright saying that you cheated. You're de facto admitting it, but you're not taking the responsibility. You're blaming it on generations before you. I don't know if you could have it. I don't know if you could have a worse press conference than what happened with Garrett Cole. Okay. You can't admit it, first of all. So you, you won't say, okay, yeah, maybe I was. Because, well, I mean, you're going to get suspended if you do. Then, instead of possibly taking some responsibility, you push it off on older generations of guys that came before you. I mean, if if somebody said, well, I mean, guys in the 90s were using steroids, so why can't I? I mean, they, they, they push that off on us. Nobody's going to accept that answer. It's a bullshit answer. So that that's not good. And then the, co- the quotes continue. Uh, he continued to say, this is important to a lot of people who love the game, including the players in this room, including fans, including teams. So if MLB wants to legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. So now he's kind of taking a shot at major league baseball. Okay. Now, I don't play in Major League Baseball. I have no problem taking shots at Major League Baseball. My ass is never going to see a Major League Diamond. But Garrett Cole can be suspended. He can be suspended by Major League Baseball. So he's saying that if they want to legislate more stuff, I guess we can have that conversation. So does that mean, A, you the Major League Baseball is not doing anything about it, that you taking a direct shot at them, and – if there that conversation or if that does come up, 
you're just going to have a conversation about it. You're going to, are we going to try to push for legalization of sticky substances? Are you just going to say, well, I mean, we'll have that conversation, but I'm going to fucking do it anyways. There, you cannot dig a deeper hole than Garrett Colt did. Okay. It, the sticky substance situation is bad. Okay. His RPMs uh, were down 125 RPMs on his forcing fastball in that game. That's a substantial amount. You can't just say, which he did, he had attributed it to just not being sharp, not having a good delivery. No, man. You, you are under the microscope right now. You're not going to just talk this thing away and blame it. Oh, it was bad mechanics today. But every other start, I had really good mechanics, and I was just you know, blowing people away, mowing them down. Okay, and now there are other players that are taking shots as well. Josh Donaldson. So the Twins are playing the Yankees. Donaldson made a comment that you know this is this is a major issue. Um, that he, you know, we're trying to trying to get this out of the game, and that you know hitters have never really cared about you know some sunscreen or some rosin or some pine tar because they understand that some of that stuff in the past has been to actually help a pitcher with his control. Some guys are crazy, and if you're getting somebody throwing you know ninety nine to hundred miles an hour in your general vicinity, you would like them to know where the ball's going. But he went on to say that that's not what this is. Um, what these, he said, what these guys are doing now is performance enhancing. Uh, it's like super glue type uh, ordeal. And then it went on to kind of say that this could be the next steroids of baseball ordeal. That's how serious this is getting. Okay. So they're now equating this, sticky substance to steroids. That's how much performance enhancing is happening. So Garrett Cole, find a way to talk to your PR team and spin this to where you were, you just didn't, you weren't ready or that, you know, coming off of a tough game and you weren't ready for those questions. Find some way to dig yourself out of that hole because you could not have had a worse press conference and major league baseball is Got to take a look at this because if players are equating this to steroids, that is incredibly bad. They didn't even equate the the sign stealing to steroids. Now, they said it was completely wrong and immoral and well outside the rules of baseball because of the technology. But I don't think anybody said that it was like steroids. So that's really, really bad for baseball. Clean it up, Major League Baseball. I got to say this shit every week. Clean it up. All right. So we are going to continue on. And a little uh, exciting news if you are a college football fan. Okay. So I didn't kind of, I didn't give a little tease to this in the intro, but there is a possibility that college football is looking to expand its playoff. From four teams to 12. Now, it's still very early in the process. Nobody knows who's going to get in, how it's going to work, if if it's even going to get passed. But if you are a fan of college football, you love hearing the idea of more than four teams in the playoffs. 
people are tired of seeing two SEC teams or the same Notre Dame team who can't fight themselves out of a wet paper bag in the playoffs, but they're always higher ranked because of their name recognition. Okay. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, those guys are going to be there. Okay. Notre Dame, they're going to be there. They're going to be in the national conversation. There are teams that are always going to be in the national conversation, even if they're not one of the four best teams. That's just that's just how it is because regardless of what anybody says, it's still a business. College football is a business. Now they can maybe expand that business by adding potentially eight more teams. This is great for college football. My only concern is, is this in response to the name, image, and likeness stuff? If players are going to be able to market themselves, does the NCAA want to take advantage and add some more games for the playoffs because that's where they're going to make their most money? Okay. I hope it's not. I hope it's because they're trying to improve the product they're putting on the field um, to see more teams included. Like I would love to see a couple of those, those you know, non-power five schools get in, like a uh, UCF, or you know, if we would have gone back all the way to the BCS days, we could have saw a Boise State contend for a national championship. That would have been great. It would have expanded the game. It would have got recruits to go to more schools, and you won't have this so top-heavy NCAA football that we have. So I really hope that they get this worked out, um, but there's no telling what the NCAA is going to do. I mean, these changes don't happen very quickly ever in the NCAA. Then we sat with the BCS for – forever until they finally agreed to do the playoff uh, where we got the four teams. Now, apparently there's up to 63 different rule changes or changes that it could be coming to the college football playoff model. So I hope it gets done. I want to see it. I want more college football. The more college football I can get the better. So yeah, that's where it is on that. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this first half segment. Uh, I'm going to play you guys a song, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to hammer hard into the NFL in that Julio Jones trade, and then we'll take a look at the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight.
All right, guys, welcome back. So we're going to dive into the world of the NFL. But before I get to the Julio stuff, a couple other news, news stories coming out. Um, one of those is from Albert Breer. He tweeted out today that the NFL and the NFLPA have announced it is looking into the medical community for proposals on alternatives to opioids in pain relief. Uh, and possibly marijuana is in play there. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of players uh, that are going to be excited about the fact that possibly marijuana is a an approved alternative. Not saying that a lot of NFL players smoke marijuana, but it is, in my opinion, a much better alternative to constantly taking opioids. These NFL players are constantly being beaten up, and if they can manage that pain with marijuana or some sort of other, you know, method that doesn't involve opioids or, you know, Toradol, which is one of those things that, you know, runs rampant in NFL um, locker rooms. Toradol is, you know, non-narcotic pain reliever. Players love it, but not necessarily sure of maybe some long-term side effects. Um, opioids, obviously, this country is in a massive uh, epidemic with the amount of opioids that we are using. So uh, the NFL opening up the idea of possibly moving away from opioids and maybe allowing marijuana in is going to be great. I'm sure Josh Gordon is thrilled about it. And I'm sorry, Josh, I did not need to take that shot. That was low hanging fruit, but it was right there. So I did it. Uh, but hopefully the NFL figures out something for these guys and they will not have to resort to opioids uh, for their lives to you know manage the pain that they have. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers is not in mandatory minicamp. Kind of predicted this was going to happen. Aaron said that he does not want to be there. He does not care about the money he is going to potentially lose. Uh, at this point, he's subject to fines. Uh, what does it say? $93,000 uh, if he does not show up for the three-day minicamp, which is an insane amount of money. But Aaron makes a shitload of money, so he doesn't really have to worry about that $93,000. This is more about, hey, you know what? I don't want to be here. I've asked for you guys to give me some help, and you guys have not done it. This is more on a principal thing at this point than anything else. Uh, so keep our eyes to see if Aaron does at any point show up or if the Packers actually do decide to find him because the Packers don't have to find him. That is on the team to do that. They could waive that, but does that set a bad precedence for the rest of the players? We will see what Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers do in these next couple of days with this mandatory mini camp that he is missing. And then on to the big news of the week and the weekend. Julio Jones is no Julio Jones is no longer an Atlanta Falcon. He has been traded to the Tennessee Titans. And I did not think Tennessee was going to get it done. I didn't think that Julio would get traded for what he got traded for though. Julio Jones is the Best wide receiver in the NFL. And it's not it's not really up for debate all that often. There's a couple other guys you can maybe toss in there, but when you're talking about guys who are the best, it's always okay, so DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, you got uh I mean oh God, 
there's so many good wide receivers. But it's always compared against this is the best guy next to Julio Jones. It's always the best receiver in the NFL besides Julio Jones is Julio's the best. Now, to get traded from that bad team to a good team, I'm sure to Julio feels great. And Tennessee has got to be thrilled for the little amount of capital that they had to give up. They were able to trade Julio and uh, they were able to trade for Julio and get a sixth round pick on top of that for only a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. Two picks for the best receiver in the NFL. And that sixth round pick you get coming back is basically a pick swap for that 2023. So you get a pick swap and a second round pick and you get Julio Jones. Atlanta did not get enough here. Now, Atlanta had zero leverage, which absolutely killed them in these negotiations, I am sure. There were reports that people were offering first-round picks for Julio. It seems like Atlanta was blowing smoke up everybody's ass trying to get them to raise the price because if there's a first-round pick on the board, you don't take a second-round pick from the Tennessee Titans who absolutely got better by trading for Julio Jones. That is going to be a very low second-round pick. And then a fourth-round pick the year after when Julio will still be in Tennessee. You heard me talk about the contract before. It is very manageable for the next three years. Tennessee is not on the hook for that much money. And you give up a second and a fourth, get a sixth back, and you get Julio. It's insane to me. I thought Julio for sure was going to go to a team that was going to be able to offer more. Uh, I didn't see the Tennessee Titans happening. I mean, I know that um, A.J. Brown made that big push, but it didn't seem like Tennessee was all in, like they were going to really go for it. There were some other teams that I thought would. I thought the Seahawks were going to start to kind of emerge. I really pictured that – Bill Belichick was going to go out and try to steal Julio. I mean, this is a Bill Belichick-type move. You get the best receiver in the NFL for a second and a fourth. This, I mean, that's right out of Bill's playbook, but that makes sense with who they got coaching down in Tennessee. So, it's, man, I, I really am I'm happy for Julio. I, it sucks for me as a Browns fan and for all the other Browns fans listening out there. It is not great to have Julio come to the AFC, but I'm not. This doesn't make me afraid of the Titans either. Julio is fantastic. He's the best receiver in the NFL, but this doesn't make Tennessee that much better of a team. This move doesn't make them better than the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't, in my opinion, make them better than the Browns or the Bills but it gets them much closer. So, good for Tennessee. I'm happy for Julio, who is getting the hell out of the dumpster fire that was going on in Atlanta. And bad for if if you're a Colts fan, you got to hate this cuz now you got to see Julio twice. Me as a Browns fan, I'll have to see Julio in the playoffs. 
Uh, we don't play Tennessee this year. Uh, we beat the piss out of them last year anyways. Uh, and Julio, I don't think, makes a difference in that game. So Tennessee doesn't scare me. Uh, they're a better team, absolutely. Julio makes any team in the NFL a better team. But good on Tennessee for a second and a fourth. Getting the the best receiver in the NFL and a sixth-round pick swap. Atlanta, I mean, and I've seen I've already seen reports of, okay, well, Atlanta got better. No, they fucking didn't. You don't get better by subtracting Julio Jones. I don't care what you get in that. That second-round pick that you're getting back is not going to be Julio. That fourth-round pick next year or two years from now is not going to be Julio. The likelihood of getting yourself another Julio Jones is so small. He is so damn good. And all you get is a second and a fourth. Now, people will say that, okay, well, Julio hasn't been Julio for a while. He's getting older. He's declining. He, you know, it's just he's not the same guy. And those people are wrong. Julio's really not that injury prone. Now, last year, he absolutely, you know, missed some time. He played nine games. In those nine games, he had 771 yards. So that's pretty damn good for nine games. That's better than some of the receivers we had on the Browns. But 2019, Julio played in 15 games, had 1,394 yards. Six TDs. 2018, he played in all 16 games. 113 catches, 1,600 yards, eight touchdowns. 2017, he played in 16 games, 1,400 yards, low numbers on the touchdowns. 2016, he played in 14 games, 1,400 yards. 2015, he played in all 16 games, 1,800 yards. 2014, he played in 15 games, 1,593 yards. So the only years where he has not played at least double-digit games are last year in 2020 and in 2013 where he played five. So I don't know why Julio has this thing where people say, oh, he's injury-prone, he's always hurt. No, he's not. Like, just go look at his fucking stats. He's not always hurt. He is amazing. Every time he's on the field, he's one of the best players on the field. And it's not all that often that he's not on the field. Now, there are times where Julio will get nicked up in a game and go out. Okay, but if I can get Julio for three quarters playing at peak Julio, that's better than... 90% of the receivers in the NFL play an all-fucking-game. It it blows my mind that people are like, oh, they gave up too much. Or Tennessee did not give up too much. Tennessee got an absolute steal. Julio's the best receiver in football. He's got a very manageable contract, and he is not injury-prone. And Atlanta just did not get enough, in my opinion. So, Falcons fans, I'm sorry. I hope that you guys treat Julio well. Uh, This was... Obviously, kind of a contentious situation. He did not want to stay in Atlanta. 
He kind of forced his way out. But all the good that that man did for your team, and I'm sure that city, do him some good and treat Julio all right when he comes back because he absolutely deserves it. He is a world-class player. He helped take you guys to a Super Bowl. Obviously, that didn't work out the way you wanted, but good on Tennessee. Julio is an absolute stud. I can't believe they got him for a second and a fourth round pick. All right, so we're going to get away from the NFL, and we're going to wrap up today's show, and we're going to talk about, well, two people I don't really care for, and Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. Now, I am not a huge boxing fan, but I do enjoy watching boxing every now and then. It's a very exciting, entertaining sport. Now, it's not quite mixed martial arts, but in my opinion, boxing can be even more exciting than some MMA fights because there's almost always some sort of action. You don't get somebody laying on top of another man or holding another man and in one position and nothing happens. Well, if you tuned in to this Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight, that's exactly what happened. Logan Paul is not a boxer. Now, he is not as bad as I thought he was after watching him box, but he is not good. Floyd Mayweather has always been a guy who has boring fights. Floyd doesn't get hit, and Floyd doesn't throw a lot of punches. So what played out in this fight was Logan Paul swinging aimlessly, not hitting Floyd, and Floyd taking his pop shots every now and then, hitting him with some pretty good shots, but just not a ton of action. Logan got tired and then started just leaning on Floyd because, well, he's a bigger guy and he can wear him down. It was not an exciting fight. Uh, I mean... These stats are these stats are horrendous if you're Logan Paul. Uh, he threw 217 punches, and he landed 28 of them. That's a 13%. So he was just – he's letting it – I mean, don't get me wrong. He's letting the nut swing. He was throwing, but he wasn't hitting because Floyd's one of the greatest defensive boxers ever. And then Floyd on the other side – he only threw 107 punches. So he's not a lot of action, but Floyd did land 43 of those 107 punches for a 40% hit rate. Floyd threw less than half of Logan's punches and hit him for almost double. It was it was a shit show. Uh and then you get Jake saying that Logan beat Floyd and Anybody with eyeballs could tell you that that Logan lost. Floyd had his way. If Floyd was a more active fighter, he may have put uh, Logan down. But Floyd is just not that guy. He's not. He's a very defensive fighter. Throws counter punches, and he hasn't been thrown for power in quite some time. So, if you knew going in who the fighters were, you could have expected it. I did. Um, so I didn't hate the fact that I watched it. I especially didn't hate it because I didn't pay for the damn thing. But if you paid for that fight, tell me why. Like, were you expecting something other than what we got? 
Logan's not a boxer. He is, at best, an amateur who goes to boxing gyms. And Floyd is in the conversation of the greatest boxers of all time. Like, it was, yeah, it was a shit show. But I was happy to see that Logan got punched in the face on several, several occasions. All right, guys, uh, that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I really appreciate you guys still rocking with me. Uh, You can get the podcast anywhere now on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and now finally Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can interact with the show on Facebook. There's a page and a group. You can also go to Twitter at Lineman Lounge. Thank you guys so much for the continued support. Can't wait to talk to you again on Friday. As always, sleeves are optional. Mm-hmm.